Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show here on Tuesday, October 8th. Tonight, we here on Radio NL will be airing an election forum with all the local candidates vying to win a seat on the 21st. That's set to air tonight from 7 to 9. Um, as I say the uh, scheduled time, I also want to apologize for something I said yesterday because um, I'm still new to BC and I don't know my time change. I said last night's leader debate was going to be on from 7 to 9. Of course, it was on from uh, 4 to 6, so my bad on that one. I will... Uh, figure out my time change here as I get more acclimated to BC. Um, now that that's out of the way, tonight you can listen to that election forum, like I said, here on NL starting at 7. Got a good show lined up for you today. In about 10 minutes time, I will be taking a look back at last night's leadership debate, and I will be joined by Toronto Star reporter Alex Ballingall and uh, University of Victoria political science professor Janai Aragon to break down what happened and what was said, so stay tuned for that. To kick off the back half of the program, I'll be joined by SD73 board chair Kathleen Karpuk. Another school board meeting was held last night, so we'll be taking a look back at what took place there. And then at around the 50-minute mark, I'll be joined by the brand specialist and resident shopping expert with Rakuten to talk about gifts people buy for themselves. When it comes to getting gifts, who is better at buying presents for you than you? So we'll be chatting more about how frequently people do that and if people should perhaps be doing that more or less often. But to begin today's show, I am talking about plastic bags. We all know the city of Kamloops is looking to implement a bylaw to ban plastic bags. Uh, I had Councillor Dale Bass on last week, who said they met with BC's Deputy Minister of the Environment, who's looking to have some legislation in place by the spring to help municipalities move ahead with these new bylaws. Bass says these regulations will be brought in uh, a lot more than just bags, and will deal with other single-use plastics as well. But for this specific conversation, we're talking bags. Thompson Rivers University master's grad Elizabeth Awade has taken interest in this Kamloops bylaw to reduce the number of plastic bags uh, and uh, are distributed at checkouts and tills. And she joins me now in studio. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So I guess before we chat on the issue in general and sort of what your study found, I guess just why was this something that interested you? Well, um, over the summer, I worked at one of the grocery stores and it was interesting to see how people reacted to using plastic bags. Some would come with a trolley full and they would say, oh no, I have a reusable bag in my car, I'll just go and fill up. And then some would say, I have a reusable bag in my car, but I don't want to run to it. So they'll buy plastic bags. And so I decided to, initially, I was trying to see what made them act that way when it, come, when it came to plastic bags. But then due to the inability or the plastic, the sorry, the stores were not cooperating mm -hmm. and not allowing me to take a survey so then i decided to just observe shoppers behavior okay and that's how it started perfect i mean when it comes to you i guess does that five cent uh, make a difference when it comes to having a reusable bag i know i always try to have my reusable bags but i often forget like you mentioned and that seems to be a pretty frequent yeah. uh, excuse. i think i'm just like you i sometimes forget and sometimes to I decide, well, I don't have trash bags. I'll just use the reusable. <laughs> I'll just use the plastic bags. That's trash bags. Yeah, that's, that's what fair. happens sometimes. So uh, let's talk a little bit about kind of what you found out over the course of this ob observance uh, that you took place in or that you, uh, that you did. Um, why was it important, I guess, first and foremost? Because you went to two different stores, one that charged five cents and yeah. one that didn't. So why was it important, I guess, to have those different perspectives? Well, I was trying to set up, make it a natural experiment. I wanted to see and observe people in their natural habitat. So... I wanted to see how they reacted in a store where the bags were for free and in a store where you were charged for the bags. 
Um, and, and I guess, did you see a difference between those two stores? Yes, there was a bit of a difference. It would surprise you to know that in the store where um, there was no charge, people used more plastic bags. The number okay. of people who used plastic bags were higher. Hmm. But then when you look at the number of bags used, it was practically insignificant. Like hmm. It was the same in both stores. Interesting. Um, so how many people, I guess, did you observe? Do you know exactly how many people you, you were kind of taking note of? Yeah. So I went for 40 minutes, um, six days in total, and I observed 780, 765 people. Sorry. Okay. And that was about pretty much a 50-50 split between the two stores, yes, right? Yes, it was. Okay. Um, and now from that data you collected, so obviously the five cent charge did have a minimal impact, I guess, but not necessarily a significant one. And mm -hmm. uh, um, so I guess, what do you think it's going to take given that data that you've collected? I mean, do you think that obviously it's going to take a lot more than a five cent charge to get people to really change their habits? Is it about charging more money or is it just an outright ban? Do you think that's going to make a difference? I would think an outright ban because if you charge, we are normal human beings. If you charge, let's say 25 cents, initially we are all going to be like, I'm taking reusable bags, it's 25 cents. But then after a while you acclimate to the 25 cents and you're like, oh, it's just 25 cents. But then if there's no plastic bag, you have no other choice but to take a reusable bag. Look at Costco, for instance. We all shop at Costco. They don't give plastic bags. Mm -hmm. We all just go in. If you don't have your reusable bag, you try and grab like a carton and pack your stuff in there. Why can't we do that at all the other grocery stores? Did you see a lot of people doing that if they didn't have a bag, potentially just walking out with you know a couple of things in their hands or putting it back in their cart? Or was that not really something people even no, considered? No, not really. Um, most of them, most people had reusable bags, and when it runs out, they take plastic bags. Right. Yeah, I got to be honest, I wasn't really surprised at all by kind of the data that you collected. Um, I guess what, what, when you put your, um, your paper together for this, mm -hmm. I guess sort of what, what was the conclusion that you kind of took from, from it? Like what was the whole, um, obviously the, the data here is, is somewhat simple. So I guess just what, what was the breakdown that you kind of took away from all of this? Okay. What I took away from is that as human beings, we kind of like comfort. We always want to be comfortable. One was easy, it was fast for us. Mm -hmm. And... It made me realize that it's always the default that matters. As she said, like a ban, once the ban is the default, we kind of go with the flow. But as there are plastic bags, we all just, I realized that we all in our minds say, oh, I'm pro-environmental, I care about the environment. But then when it comes actually doing it, we're like, yeah. I'd rather be, I'd rather do what suits me. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I think it's coming. It's a matter of time. Um, yeah. I'm also curious to know what that five cents uh, goes towards because I think it's, I mean, they, there's grocery stores, right, that claim it goes back into fighting climate change. I'm yeah. not so sure that that's true. Yeah, me too. Did you, have you looked into this at all? That's actually something I'm trying to look into with my supervisor. We are trying to, we're going to do conduct surveys, talk to people, find out what makes them use a plastic bag for one and find out that the grocery stores that do charge the five cents, is it just, something they used to offset the cost of producing the plastic bags or do they actually have like a fund it goes into that they use it mm -hmm. to do environmentally friendly things? Yeah. I doubt it. Yeah, they claim it, but we'll probably never actually find out. And yeah. I still am amazed that, uh, you know, when Victoria moved ahead with their plastic band bag, that there was a plastic bag association that was able to fight that. I'm still <laughs> baffled that that's actually a thing that exists. Uh, well, yeah. Elizabeth, that uh, is pretty much all I have for questions. Anything else you want to throw on the table here while I have you? Well, another thing I wanted to just chip in is mm -hmm. that one thing that surprised me about the research was I looked at gender and I realized that gender plays a big role in it. You okay. find that females actually use more plastic bags. Sorry, females actually use more <laughs> reusable bags than men. And I think it's because, well, I know most men 
correct me if I'm wrong, you don't like carrying around stuff. Like, you don't want to be holding stuff. You just want to hold your plastic bag and you're going and it's easier for you to forget your reusable bags. Am I right? Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I'm sure you can make that generalization. I mean, it's not true for me, but that doesn't mean it isn't true in yeah. general. So, Awesome. Well, Elizabeth, thanks so much for coming in. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Awesome. That was Elizabeth Awade looking at plastic bags and uh, the habits of shoppers here in Kamloops. Coming up after the break, I'll be taking a look back at yesterday's leadership debate, so stay tuned for that. <laughs> Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show here on Tuesday, October 8th. Thank you so much for tuning in. Last night marked the first commission leadership debate and the first debate where all six party leaders were in attendance to go head to head to head to head to head to head. And here to talk about last night's two-hour event and help break it all down is Toronto Star reporter and Kamloops native Alex Ballingall. Alex, thanks so much for coming back on the show. No worries. Thanks for having me. And I'm also joined by professor in political science at uh, University of Victoria, Janai Aragon. Janai, thanks so much for coming back on the show as well. Good morning. So uh, just to kind of start looking at what happened last night, my personal favorite moment was uh, when Andrew Scheer and Justin Trudeau were sort of arguing at each, at each other, and then Jagmeet Singh chimed in from the sideline and said that the pair were arguing about who was worse for Canada, and we should be talking about who is best for Canada. Um, now, that's obviously because that's how I believe campaigns should be run, but that's not necessarily how people vote. Um, do you have a particular moment that really resonated with you? And I'll start with Jai first on this one. Um, I really liked the Mr. Deny and Mr. Delay, also from Mr. Singh. And Alex, did you have a particular moment that really stood out? Yeah, I think both those moments for, for Mr. Singh were, were sort of highlights. I think he was the one that had the, the memorable lines, like Mr. Deny and Mr. Delay, and, and, and sort of cutting through when Shearer and Trudeau were, were you know, almost talking over each other about, about climate change or whatever it was, or affordability. Um, he also, you know, he, he had, I think, the funniest line of the night, uh, Mr. Singh did, which was uh, when he was accidentally called Mr. Shear by the moderator for the second time. He joked about, well, I, you know, I came here wearing an orange turban for a reason, you know, I, people shouldn't mix me up. And, and it got a big laugh uh, from the crowd. So I think he, I think Singh yeah, definitely had some moments uh, that people were talking about. Yeah, he definitely seemed to have the, the one-liners that are resonating here this morning uh, compared to anybody else. I guess, uh, so, so looking at that specifically, I didn't necessarily feel that anybody really won the debate. Um, do you guys have a particular person that really you think kind of came out on top or maybe made a lot of headway as a result of this um, debate, Alex? Uh, I'll start with you on this. Um, yeah, I, th I think it is. Uh, like, It's hard to say objectively if there was a winner. I, each party is is obviously arguing that they're their candidate uh, did the best job. Um, but I, if there is sort of like a, a uh, you know, columnist consensus that I see forming or just like, a, like sort of what people are leaning towards, I think, you know, just even us, just the things that we remember, uh, Jagmeet Singh um, obviously had a good night. Um, other people, I, you know, talking about Trudeau, uh, that he, he didn't get sort of knocked down or, or uh, he didn't get a knockout punch in the jaw. Um, on any issue, whether it was SNC Lavalin or or, uh, or or whatever else, so uh, for him maybe that's a victory. Although although I don't know, like he did also seem to be even almost absent. I, it might have been a, a symptom of the format, given it was so crowded up there. But but it, it was almost like uh, there wasn't that much of Trudeau. I expected to, to see more of him 
more screen time for him. But, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure. It, it's hard to say who won. Mm-hmm. Janai, did you have any one leader that stood out in particular? Obviously, we mentioned the one-liners here from, from Mr. Singh. But, uh, you know, anything else beyond those that really stood out to you and, and kind of uh, helped you have uh, uh, one person that maybe stood out above the rest? You know, I do not think there was a winner last night. If anything, I found some of the commentary on Twitter related to the um, debates. You know, the, the live tweeting was where there were winner sort of comments. But between the leaders, uh, no, I, I think the debate format was terrible, to be brutally honest. So I'll follow up on that. Then I guess what, what would you like to have seen in order to, uh, you know, maybe have a better presentation? Well, all the talking over was an issue. I would have liked to have had more um, strict or different rules or format um, to hear more. Every time they started talking over, I was kind of sitting in my kitchen, rolling my eyes, thinking, stop. (laughs) Stop, let's get to the point. Yeah, there was one moment, too, I appreciated when um, uh, Mr. Blanchette was actually talking and he said uh, to Maxime Bernier, let's see how long until you jump in when I'm speaking here. And then he said, uh, oh, you gave me 10 seconds. Thanks so much for that. So uh, a little bit frustrating from that perspective, I guess. Uh, Alex, did you feel the same way that it was just a little too much talking over one another and not enough actually, um, you know, giving voters a chance to listen to what people had to say? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, you have two hours, there's six leaders uh, that breaks down to like 20 minutes each if you split it fairly, uh, but like divided into little chunks. Like like to keep it rolling, I guess the format, they had to give them such little time slots to to say what they wanted to say that uh, that it was difficult to get in any sort of depth to the debate. Like it kept sort of ping-ponging around between leaders to different topics people interrupting, talking over each other. So it was at times sort of difficult to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another another thing, I, I don't know for you guys out there, but like, didn't it start at like 4 p.m.? Like, I, I feel like the timing of it too was sort of weird uh, for people out West. Like, uh, I'm sure a lot of people didn't get to watch it or had to watch sort of the, just the highlight reel at the end of the night because it, it, it was on basically while people were at work. Yeah, yeah, I, I uh, personally work early enough that I didn't have that problem, um, you know, because I was home by four o'clock. But yeah, definitely an issue for I think a lot of people out here. And and uh, even I mentioned off the top here that uh, the time change got me a little bit confused as well, thinking it was at seven when obviously I should know better by now. I guess, uh, Janai, did you have any issue with that when it comes to the timing of uh, of when this took place? And, and for people here in the West Coast who maybe didn't get a chance to, to catch it right from the beginning? Absolutely. I mean, I raced home from the dentist (laughs) um, and, you know, was able to make it, I think, with, you know, a minute to spare. I thought that timing was a problem. You know, it would have been better if it had started at 5 o'clock or even 5.30 or 6 so that people on the West Coast could actually be home and not, um, you know, have to DVR it and watch it just a little later. Because there's something uh, about watching it live and then going back either to the transcript or to the highlight reel, um, you know, for us social scientists and, and, and for you as well. Um, I'll ask you too about this. Um, you know, Elizabeth May, she was the only woman on the stage and, and um, I, I didn't feel like maybe off the top that she was overly strong, but it seemed like she got more, I don't know, I don't want to say more comfortable, but you know, she seemed to speak more kind of as the night went on. I guess, what was your, your thought, Janai, on her performance and, um, you know, outside of the uh, whole right to choose issue that kind of came up, um, you know, was there any particular things that uh, stood out from her for, for you? And obviously the environment was the, the biggest thing that she kept harping on. Um, 
being the Green Party leader, obviously that's sort of their, their major issue. Was there any other particular instances where you felt she was particularly strong, or, or do you have any sort of uh, similar opinions to me that she kind of seemed to get stronger as the, as the night wore on? I think she warmed up. She was um, like a cup of tea and got stronger as the night wore on, you know, referring to her bu budget, um, calling out some of the other leaders for their particular policies. Oh, and I do need to explain that May is um, my particular member of parliament. I live in Gordonhead. Okay, good to know. Um, that's so no bias there, obviously. Um, no, no, I don't think so, I'm and I have kidding. already voted. I'm just kidding, <laughs> um, Alex. I guess what was your thoughts on 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 Elizabeth being the only female up there? I mean, uh, you know, it seems like she almost could have taken more advantage of that fact, but uh, maybe didn't uh, let gender uh, drive her message too much. I guess. Uh, what, what was your thoughts on her performance? Yeah, the only time like I, I guess her gender really came up is when when she brought you know people were talking. I guess Trudeau, if I remember was trying to sort of needle sheer on his position, uh, you know, how he's pro-life and, 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 and all that. And then, she, you know, May jumped in and said, you know, men shouldn't, or no, it was a thing. It was just me, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, sorry, but May also basically echoed the same sentiment. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, her being the only woman on the stage, that's a, that's a role she's played before, obviously, you know, in, in every debate she's been in, when, they, when she's been allowed in. Um, I, what I thought was most the most maybe interesting moment from her was when she started making the pitch to Canadians like, listen, it's going to be a minority government. We all know that Andrew Scheer, if he wins, the other parties aren't going to support him. So it's going to be if if you want a good government, like a liberal minority supported by a party that would push for more climate action, vote green. Like she really just sort of tried to cut through the noise and, and make this really, um, really sort of political pitch, I guess, about the, the makeup of the next parliament directly to Canadians. Um, I got about uh, 30, 45 seconds left here, guys, so I'll just get quick thoughts on this. Uh, if, if there were to be another debate, or if there's another debate uh, to be held here, I guess, would you like to see fewer candidates on the stage? I think from my perspective, I would. Um, just a quick thought on, on the number of people that were up there last night, Janai. Yes, I would like to see maybe three or four. I, I think that would help, or to have a different format. Mm -hmm. Alex? Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I mean, if, if there's going to be six people, maybe they should have stretched it another hour or, or done something like that to just just let let give it a bit more room to breathe. Um, either that, or I guess uh, have have fewer candidates. But I mean, that that that's a question for the the commission. I guess that set this up. You know, where they put the threshold of admissibility. Mm -hmm. I'm sure people are, are. There's a lot of talk about that. What's appropriate and and uh, they'll be tinkering with the model. I'm sure uh, next time around. For sure. Well, thanks so much for joining me, guys. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, Thanks for having us. Awesome. That was Alex Ballingall, Toronto Star reporter and a professor in political science at the University of Victoria, Janai Aragon. Coming up after the break, School District 73 held a board meeting last night. Board Chair Kathleen Carpuck will join me in studio next to discuss what took place. Local News Now, Radio NL, 610 AM and RadioNL.com. The voice of your community, Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back into the Jeff Andreas Show here on a lovely Tuesday in Kamloops. Yesterday, School District 73 held its bi-weekly board meeting with a number of items on the agenda. Here to talk about what took place is Board Chair Kathleen Carpa. Kathleen, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. How are things? They're pretty good. Good. Uh, good morning so far. 
It has been a good morning. Yes. <laughs> it's better now that you're in here, right? That's what I always <laughs> say anyway. Um, so a number of things on last night's agenda, and we'll start with the uh, preliminary enrollment numbers. Um, uh, total uh, 14,472, that's up a little bit, I guess, from uh, the previous year. It is. We are up a total of 231.7 students. Um, how do you get a 0.7 of a student? So that's with our high school students because we actually count them by courses. So some of our students, instead of taking eight courses, will take nine courses. And so they uh, count as more than a full student. Okay. Um, so given that, uh, were there any particular areas where you're, you're noticing an increase? Like, is it uh, in terms of like age brackets or anything along those lines? Yeah, we had a real surprise with our kindergarten students. We have 86 more kindergarten students this year than we had last year. And we're flat with our uh, grade one through grade sevens. And then we had a significant bump that we really weren't expecting at all in secondary. We're up 137.7 students. Wow. Um, anything that you could potentially attribute that to? We're not sure. And they're scattered all over. So we saw increases at Valley View. We saw increases at Brock Middle School. We saw increases at Sahali Secondary. So they're all over the city. That's, that's interesting. Um, so given that you don't know uh, where that growth could potentially be coming from, I guess, uh, is, is there anything that uh, happens as a result of that growth? I mean, what, what kind of spinoffs for the school board uh, come as a result of having more students? So more students means uh, more teachers and uh, more classes. So we would have hired a few more uh, kindergarten teachers. And uh, it means that uh, we may have hired some extra uh, secondary student, uh, teachers. And, and given that there is so many more kindergarten or students this year, I guess, what does that mean moving forward? Are you going to have to look at uh, more grade one teachers for next year? And does that kind of roll along? Or how exactly does that work? That's exactly what happens is we then uh, take that number of kindergarten students and we expect that they will all roll into grade one and then grade two. And so it just means that uh, continual capacity issues in our schools because we have more students. And um, from what I saw as well in this report, um, 175 was projected and uh, it's up about 230. So that's quite a significant change from what we were expecting. Is, um, is that a pretty rare thing to have happen? Or are you usually sort of pretty good at uh, knowing what to expect in terms of that growth? Well, considering it's less than 1% of a margin of error for our predictions, it's pretty darn good. Okay. Um, when you look at our elementary numbers, we were bang on in predicting how many our increase was going to be. Uh, so the only blip that we have is we did have more secondary students than we predicted. Uh, but again, it's um, not something that's unmanageable. It just uh, does add a little bit more complication when we're trying to schedule classes. Okay, for sure. Um, and also, uh, just one more question here on this. When you're talking about the high school students and the fact that you are counting them course by course, and when we're looking at, you know, 0.7 of a student, I guess, is that a lot of people that are coming back for a, a fifth year of high school that are kind of taking these random courses, or how does that kind of uh, project out? I mean, when, when you're in grade 12, right, you get a couple of spares, so do you count uh, as a full-time student in that regard, or how does that work, do you know? Actually, what we see is a lot of children or a lot of students who are doing an accelerated program. So they actually will take a, an extra course um, during their year. Uh, an example would be my daughter who uh, took French online last year and actually completed nine courses of eight in her grade eight year. Wow. Uh, very motivated individual, eh? 
She was. She wanted. She had an elective. She had her eye on this year, so she wanted to make sure she could take it. Perfect. Is that is that a pretty common thing then uh, that you're seeing? A lot more kids are taking these extra courses. I mean, they're they're just trying to graduate earlier. We do see that quite frequently. Yes, we see uh, a lot of students who actually graduate in January. They finish all their courses. Huh. I wish I knew that. Oh well. Next time. No, there'll be no next time. I'm not going back to high school, that's for sure. Um, another thing that you guys talked about last night was um, four teachers went to the uh, Premier's Awards for Excellence. I guess, do you want to just uh, give me a rundown of sort of what they were being uh, uh, recognized for? Yes, we have um, four teachers that were finalists at the Premier's Awards for Excellence in Education. We had Denise Underwood, who was nominated for Innovation and Technology. Carol DeFerre, who was nominated for school leadership, and Ivy Chelsea and Jordan Smith, who were both uh, nominated for Aboriginal education. So there were 140 teachers province-wide that were nominated. There were 30 finalists. We had four finalists from our wow. district. We're extremely proud of them. That's pretty cool. Four out of 30 from one spot. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And uh, Jordan Smith from Four Directions uh, was the winner of her category in Aboriginal education. So That's awesome. Um, how, how does one go about getting nominated? I guess, is it a student-led thing, or does the board nominate people, or how does that work? The nominations are open. Uh, anyone can nominate a teacher. So parents, other teachers, uh, supervisors, students. So we did see a variety of uh, people who were nominated and who they were nominated by there. Um, if you get a chance, people should uh, go and find the YouTube videos uh, that the uh, ministry produced for each of the uh, finalists. They're extremely moving. Perfect. Yeah, I'll um, definitely be sure to check those out. Congratulations to those four people. That's really awesome. Um, now, you guys also looked at Aboriginal education targeted funding for 2018-19, so looking back at last school year. Um, can you just kind of go over what exactly you're talking about when discussing targeted Aboriginal funding? What exactly does that mean? So targeted funding is um, extra money that the province uh, gives the school district for Aboriginal students to recognize that they very often need extra assistance in order to succeed in school. And so we are given uh, $3.2 $3 million. Um, it's based on per pupil funding. And um, we put in supports like Aboriginal education workers who provide cultural support within classrooms. We have additional family counselors. Uh, we have other support workers that are there basically to help those students to make sure that they succeed. So we spend, of the $3.2 million, we spend $2.8 million on salaries and benefits for those extra support uh, staff that we have in place. Uh, we also have language teachers and uh, resource teachers that we have in place for curriculum. Yeah, so like any budget, I guess, when you're looking at the bulk of it, it's always salary and benefits, generally speaking, right? Um, so you mentioned $3.2 million, and uh, from what I saw, about $3.1 million uh, total were expenses. Uh, so just a little over $90,000 in uh, extra funding or rollover funding. I guess what, what happens with that money moving forward? So that money will be spent in the following year. The Aboriginal Education Council is a group of representatives from our local First Nations. They sit on that council. They're the ones who determine how that money is spent. And I'm sure that they will have some projects that they'll have in mind for that money going forward this year. Yeah, I guess um, it's kind of probably pretty straightforward. But why is it so important to kind of look back at, at these funding models and just 
review what was spent and how much money is left over? Just why is that something that the school board has to be pretty diligent with when, when kind of reviewing what was spent? Student achievement is our main priority and we always want to know how uh, programs are doing. And so it's very important to look at our results and then look at the programs that we're putting on and make sure that those programs are actually having the results that we want. If they are, then we know that we're spending money wisely. If they're not, then we know we need to do some tweaking. Perfect. Uh, well, I think that's pretty much all I had for questions for you here, Kathleen. Anything else you want to throw on the table while you're here? I'd also like to mention that uh, we received a, an extremely generous donation last night from schools, School District 5, Southeast Kootenai. They uh, sent $10,000 for school supplies for Parkcrest Elementary. Wow, lots of support continuing to roll in for Parkcrest. It's, it's pretty, pretty awesome the way that the community has, has come together, not only here, but obviously throughout the province as well. So that's awesome. It's wonderful. Well, Kathleen, thank you so much for coming in. As always, really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, I guess you get a bit of an extended break now with the election two weeks from now. So it's three weeks until your next board meeting. So exactly. We'll look forward to uh, three weeks' time. Thanks again. Right. Great. Thank awesome. you for having me. Awesome. That was SD73 Board Chair Kathleen Carpa. Coming up after the break, I'll be talking about buying gifts for yourself. What's better than that? Stay tuned. Your opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back in here on Tuesday, October 8th, and thank you, as always, for joining me. This Thursday, October 10th, marks World Mental Health Day, and one thing that might be good for your mental health is buying yourself a gift. I'm joined now by Graziella Mitri, the brand specialist and resident shopping expert with Rakuten. Graziella, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. So, obviously, you guys did a little bit of a study here when uh, looking at what uh, people's buying habits are when shopping for a gift for themselves. So before we sort of break down the data, I guess, when it comes to people buying something for themselves, just how generous were people to their own self uh, in a general sense? I mean, just, uh, you know, were people, did you find a lot of people, uh, you know, are, are buying gifts for themselves? Yes, many Canadians are buying gifts for themselves. Actually, 75% of Canadians report treating themselves. Um, and they're spending an average of $116 per gift for themselves. Um, so when you're talking about how much they're spending, I guess maybe you don't have this data necessarily, but uh, are people more generous for themselves than they are for other people? Did you guys look at that at all? Um, so we've done other surveys in the past, past to see how people are spending. So for example, when it comes to birthdays, uh, they tend to spend $96 on average on other people. But when it comes to other gifts like Valentine's Day, let's say about $76 and then for weddings it's obviously quite high at 145 so they're a little bit more generous on, on themselves when it comes to smaller occasions for other people. Hmm. Well I guess uh, it kind of makes sense given the fact that if you're buying something for yourself you know well hopefully you know that you're actually going to enjoy the gift that you get so that's uh, probably a factor I would think as well. Um, what did you notice about the times that people were more or less likely to buy themselves something because you kind of talked a little bit about different holidays and, and you know what people are spending on others around those times. Did you find a specific time of year um, you know where people were more likely to purchase something for themselves? So actually 38% of Canadians say they don't actually need a special reason to treat themselves. They just do so 
just because. Um, and then 19% say that they like to self-gift once they've accomplished a certain goal. So that could be a promotion or uh, or, or getting, a, l- l- let's say, a, a raise at work or something like that. Um, and then they also tend to buy themselves gifts on uh, special occasions like their birthday, Christmas, or Valentine's Day. Now, that might be because they didn't get something that they actually wanted off their wish list. Um, so they're trying to get them get that for themselves. And at 15%, um, Canadians are saying they buy something for themselves as a pick-me-up treat. So if they need something to boost uh, to boost their boost themselves that day, they tend to go buy something for themselves. Hmm. So obviously, uh, the time of year does play at least a, a somewhat of a factor uh, in when people are considering getting themselves a gift and splurging on themselves. Uh, are there any other important factors that you noticed that kind of led to people treating themselves? Was uh, you know like their age a factor or family status or anything along those lines that kind of uh, you know changed people's attitudes towards buying themselves a gift? Uh, well, sixty-three percent say that they do so because they feel it's important. So if they feel it's important to gift themselves those special gifts. What's interesting here is um, the spending habits between men and women. So men are actually spending an average of $149 on gifts for themselves, while women are spending $86 on themselves. Uh, So men are actually spending a little bit more money, I guess. Do you have any sort of inkling as to why that might be the case? Yes. So when we asked men and women what they're buying for themselves, men are gravitating towards electronics or a meal out. So that's 44% of men choosing to buy either electronics or a meal out as a gift for themselves. While 46% of women are purchasing either clothing or beauty products. So just based on the price tag of those two categories, obviously electronics tend to be a lot pricier than, let's say, a shirt or, uh, or, or some sort of skincare treatment. And they must be going out for some pretty fancy meals to bring that average up quite a bit as well. That's exactly it. Must be some five-star restaurants. Um, I also found it kind of uh, interesting, too, when when talking about the age of people, um, 85% of Canadians under 35 more likely to treat themselves uh, than their older peers, with uh, 71% on average uh, more likely to buy something for themselves. I mean, it, I just found it, I'm, I shouldn't, I guess I'm not surprised given the fact that people younger are, are more likely to splurge on themselves, but uh, I am surprised in the fact that, you know, younger people tend to have less money. So I guess, uh, you know, were you at all surprised by that particular piece of data? Yes, absolutely. You would think it would be the opposite when, when you have a little bit more financial freedom, let's say you are a little bit more generous about that price, about um, what you're purchasing yourself, but it could be um, that those who are younger might not have as much financial responsibilities. Maybe they're not paying for rent or um, maybe they don't have as many financial responsibilities of those who are older in age. Uh, any other other particular sets of data throughout this study that you found particularly interesting that you haven't been able to uh, touch on quite yet? Uh, we were able to touch on everything. Yeah, I think what's most important is, um, I, I believe I've been on your show before and we've talked about other self-gifting habits, uh, other gifting habits for Canadians, and we do see that Canadians are quite generous when it comes to purchasing gifts for others. So it's great to see that they're spending that money on themselves as well um, and treating themselves to that little pick-me-up. 
Um, Graziella, as I mentioned off the top, too, uh, we're looking at World Mental Health Day coming up on uh, Thursday. Um, I guess just do, do you, I know this isn't really part of your study, but just sort of uh, generally speaking, I guess, what, do you think it's important for people to treat themselves and, and just sort of what, uh, what impact do you think that has on people, uh, maybe not over a long period of time, because material things don't necessarily, you know, make you happy for a long period of time, but in the moment they do. Um, so I guess just maybe just speak on your own experience. I mean, when you go out and buy something, just, uh, you know, how do you feel for the rest of the day and when we're talking about mental health just what does that do for your mindset yeah I mean I'm definitely not an expert when it comes to mental health but I do think it is important to treat yourself whether that's buying a gift for yourself or going to the spa for that day um, just taking those little moments in the day to do something special for yourself and that could be something different for everyone so I think it's definitely great to pause whenever you can um, and remember to treat yourself Fantastic. Well, um, I think that's uh, pretty much all I had for questions, Graziella. Anything else you want to add before I let you go? That's what I mean. If you are buying gifts for yourself, I definitely recommend going, of course, through Rakuten.ca and getting that cash back on those gifts that you are purchasing for yourself. Because um, that's two gifts for you, the gift you're purchasing and the cash back you're receiving for buying it through Rakuten.ca. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today. I really appreciate you taking the time. And, uh, yeah, definitely some interesting information there. So thanks so much. Have a great day. You as well. That was Graziella Mitri with Rakuten.ca. Uh, yeah, so some interesting stuff there. I was definitely surprised to learn that men spend almost $150 on themselves versus women who spend uh, $86 on themselves. Uh, I was a little surprised by that data. So uh, maybe women should start treating themselves to a little bit uh, fancier things, I guess, because they got to keep up here electronics and expensive meals versus uh, beauty products and clothing. So maybe, maybe instead of getting just, um, you know, I, I don't know, I'm not a beauty expert. I don't know much about clothes, but maybe go spend a little bit more. Get a fancier dress or a fancier jacket or something like that. You got to spend a little bit more money to keep up with us guys out there. Um, yeah, so it's been a pretty good show here today. Obviously, uh, like I had mentioned in uh, segment two, we took a look back at last night's leadership debate. Uh, the first chance for all six party leaders to go uh, head to head. Uh, so we broke that down a little bit. If you missed that, you can uh, check it out online later in the day. It'll be posted online at RadioNL.com slash podcast. You can check all the segments out that you missed on there. And um, also you can check things out on uh, a number of pod podcast platforms such as Spotify. So you can check that out as well. And uh, don't forget that tonight here on Radio NL, we are going to be hosting our uh, election forum with our local candidates. So if you need a little bit more information before you head to the polls on October 21st, uh, this should, should be some good insight into what our local um, um, local candidates are uh, you know, standing up for and, and sort of what their uh, stance is on certain issues of uh, definitely important information and um yeah, like I said, October 21st is uh, voting day. But of course, uh, starting this Friday, you can uh, start advanced voting here in Kamloops. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday advanced polls will be open. So you get a chance to uh, head down there a little bit early if you want and uh, cast your ballot. If uh, you know, you're know you worried about long lines come Monday, October 21, well, you can beat those lines by heading out this weekend and uh, casting a ballot. Look on your uh, voter card. If you haven't got that, go to elections.ca to make sure that they have all that up-to-date information. Um, you know, you're running out of time to do that, but of course you uh, want to be able to vote, so make sure you uh, get on there and get your name in the uh, in the queue so you can have your say on October 21. And of course, like I said, on that voter card, it lets you know where and when you can cast your ballot. Well, that about wraps things up for me here today. Uh, so thank you to all my guests one more time for coming on the program. Uh, always a pleasure to speak to you guys and uh, definitely get some of you back on here in the near future. And of course, uh, more importantly, a big thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, 
always appreciate you lending your ears to hear my voice here on weekday mornings. Uh, so one more time, thank you again for listening, and uh, thanks to everyone who tuned in. Uh, and remember, whether you join me here for a short while or a long while, just know that I enjoyed our time while it lasted. I'll be back here tomorrow at 9.